Hello and welcome to the Breeders' Cup Final Answers Show from In The Money Media, brought to you by our friends at TaylorMade Partnerships and Medallion Racing. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, coming to you from Los Angeles, from a location quite near Santa Anita. I am not Jonathan Kitchen. I am Pete Fornatal. How about that graphic, that really cool graphic to kick <laughs> things off? Meanwhile, you have Philip and Vanessa looking exactly as they do in real life. And then you've got me and JK. Uh, I've put on a few LBs, let's say, since that picture was taken. And uh, the Jonathan picture is, is, is missing the stylish gray in the beard. But we're so happy to be with, here with you. Uh, hello and welcome to everybody watching the replay and especially everybody uh, at Malone's in Lexington. Wish I could be there. I've got my Lexington themed shirt on. Once we solve this whole being in two places at once thing, we're really, we're really going to have something. And I'll now bring you your host for this evening. She comes to us all the way from England. She's fabulous. She's Vanessa Ryle. Thanks very much. This is where Peter flips over into pundit mode and I get to take up the presenting mode. Uh, we are all in different locations. As you said, I'm first time to California, first time to Santa Anita, of course, here for a Breeders' Cup. And I'm very overexcited. I can safely say the mornings out on the track have been spectacular, as spectacular as they look in the pictures and videos. Um, it's been brilliant. I'm not entirely sure the European team is as strong as it is normally, uh, or it has been maybe in the previous years, potentially due, due to Charlie Appleby's kind of slightly below par season at the top level, but we will get to that in due course. Uh, before we go any further, let's just check in with the boys you've already heard from Peter. But JK over there, how hyped are you for this Breeders' Cup? Do you think it's a good quality one? Yeah, I mean, I'm always hyped for the Breeders' Cup, right? I mean, the Breeders' Cup to me is is – it's our best two days of racing. You know, we have, we've got Derby day, we've got uh, Pegasus, we've got, you know, the, the Travers day, the two days for Belmont stakes, but this is, uh, you know, the 14 of the championship races. And I always look forward to it. And I was actually just telling someone, I don't care where it's at either. Um, as long as all the horses and all of the jockeys and all the trainers and all the owners show up, it still has that, that super special feel. So happy to be back in California. I haven't been to St. Anita since March 5th of 2020. Um, so it's, it's been a while for, for a track that I almost consider my home track. But you're back and you're ready to make waves and give us some winners, which is what it matters. Philip, it's going to be a huge Friday specifically for you with Porta Fortuna. We will get to that, of course, very shortly indeed. You must be in a high state of excitement yourself and the team. Yeah, we landed, uh, landed a few hours ago. So I mean, it's just the anticipation builds, you know, typically, when we have a horse running, I don't get nervous till they leave the paddock, but um, I've been nervous for a month since she won the Sheebly Park and we kind of cemented the goal. But um, yeah, I told somebody the other day, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have the stress and the fun than be sitting at home watching watching on TV. So it's a great problem to have. And I'm, I'm really excited for all of our partners. Absolutely. It's the saying, isn't it? Pressure is a privilege, Philip. Pressure is a privilege. So let's get cracking. Let's start. We are, of course, starting with the first Breeders' Cup race on Future Stars Friday, which is the Juvenile Turf Sprint over the five furlongs. And I've got a UK horse to talk about straight away. Big Evs is your 
favorite currently, your anti-post favorite for Mick Appleby, a first ever Breeders' Cup runner for him. Now I can inform you all that Big Ev's coming over from England. He's he's not your typical um two-year-old sprinter guys obviously our issue in the past has been not having the gate speed of our u.s counterparts in these sort of races but big ebbs the rules like that do not apply to him um he's an absolute weapon out of the stalls and he's a weapon at the end of his races as well um there's an interesting stat going around that he actually his first furlong at royal ascot when he went when he won was the same speed as Crimson Advocate's first furlong at Royal Ascot when she won. Obviously, she reopposed it. Well, she she's in here against him on Friday. Yet, Big Evs' final furlong and final time was faster than Crimson Advocate's. And he's just gone from strength to strength, and his gate speed seems to have been getting faster. I am all aboard Big Evs here, and I'm hoping it's going to start the Europeans, not only off with a bang, but with a really good story as well. But I can see that all the boys are against me here. Every, I've got a tip sheet in front of me, which is going to be shared with you guys. And you're all against me. So, JK, I shall start with you. Who is going to beat Big Evs and why? Well, I almost forgot um, who I picked. Uh, look, I, I just I know that some Europeans have had some success over here in this race, but it's not what you guys do well. Um, there's other things that you do significantly better than us. And although there's this, uh, you know, there's so uh, he looks faster than a majority of them that have come over here. I still think that there's a possibility he'll still experience some of the issues that they often happen in these big full fields with these fast gate horses. So uh, I like him a lot. I, I do respect him, but I'm going to go with the mitts waves. And, and it's a little bit of a homer pick for me. Um, close to the situation. Good friends own the horse, but. I think sometimes in those situations, and I think people in the audience, when you when with your medallion horses too, when you know every step of what happened and why it happened and how it happened, and and you know the reasons it happened and what she ate and when she didn't eat and how she didn't eat and when she ate and did she does she how many peppermints she's had, when you know everything, you can make better decisions. And I don't think Amidst Waves likes soft ground. I think she's gonna get firm ground. I think she's gonna get pace to close into, and that's why I picked her in here. Okay, PTF. I think you're on the same wavelength, excuse the pun, as JK. I can piggyback, and it's no disrespect to Big Evs. I mean, this horse, as a figure guy, this horse is is the horse to beat. Um, I've talked to a couple of different experts, including Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today, as well as talking to Sean Borman on our pro punter show. The, the pro player show is not on YouTube. So if you're a YouTube fan of our content, you're going to have to go into uh, iTunes to listen to that one. There's a lot of great tidbits in there. They both have big Evs faster than everybody else. But I'm just going with a bit of a, of a pace makes the race case here. I think you can make a good case that amidst waves is the best closer could be a bit of a burn up. And if there are some issues with big Evs, I think uh, amidst waves is an excellent alternative at a price. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is just the trip last time. I thought she had meaningful trouble at a critical stage and I think she'll go better. And, uh, I think that's your exacta. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be very much playing amidst waves, uh, over big Evs. And then I, I've got uh, I've got plenty of use for slider. Not an easy draw, but a horse that I'm interested in getting into some uh, uh, exotics possibilities as well. So for the numbers, guys, PTF and JK have both gone nine, four, eleven amidst waves, big ebbs, and slider. Uh, but Philip, 
very different selections for you. Um, give me your reasoning and why. Well, who and why? Yeah, I, I basically agree, agree with JK, and then I picked three Euros and one, two, three. Um, <laughs> it's, it is, it, it's, a, it's a race that Euros haven't done well, though. Last year they went one, two. I think the five furlongs makes it a, a little bit tougher, um, but I just thought the four main speeds are drawn in one, two, three, and four. And Big Evs is fast, Crimson Advocate's fast, No Name Mets is fast, and Tiger Bell's been on the lead. I don't know that she's as fast as the other three, but I ended up landing on Gimme the Beat Boys. I think he's been running against the best Colts in Europe, um, which is something that you normally don't see. Some of these horses that are in the sprint, they're primarily running in these shorter races against a different quality of horse. Um, but I thought he ran really good at Ascot. He ran you know, well in the Phoenix. In the middle part, he looked like a winner a furlong out. And he just, in all these six furlong races, he just hits a wall at five and a half and he just backs up significantly. But I think the cutback could help. I think if he doesn't completely blow the break, he should get, you know, a mid-pack toward, you know, and, and ho- I'm just hoping for a pace meltdown. I think, you know, the, the boys are hoping for a, a similar kind of setup for a mid-wave. She might be a little bit closer just because she has more experience uh, to American-style racing. But I just think he's a lot higher quality than the horses that typically come over for this race. I'd say, you know, he would been, have been a higher quality, even dramatized to his one or, or uh, Silver Knot, who won it last year. Um, or no, it wasn't Silver Knot. It was the other Appleby. But, mischief. Um, yeah, Mischief, yeah. yeah. Um, just feels like he's got his form in Europe's better, so. Um, okay. Hopefully the comeback helps. Okay, five, eight, four for Philip in that first race. Um, let's move on, guys, to the juvenile fillies of the mile and half a furlong on the dirt track. And won't be a surprise to everybody watching and listening later out there that we're all in agreement here with Tamara. She's the big talking horse. Everyone's chatting about her here at the track. Obviously, a beautiful breath beautifully bred two from two there's not a huge amount not to like about her but of course she's also taking on some very talented fillies in behind a lot of unbeaten horses and some in there with you know more a bit more experience as well but peter i'll start with you here we've all made it pretty simple and gone with the seven here in tamara is it as straightforward as that i really really think it is and i think uh, vivi's dream not being in this race takes what I already thought was, you know, penalty kick and and makes it something that I'm going to use a phrase we use on the podcast from time to time. If it wasn't horse racing, you'd say she couldn't lose. For me, there's one and, and most of my play is just going to be all about her and, uh, and, and her winning. But I do have this goofy idea on a horse that's going to be a very big price in the 13 Alice Beach, who last time showed a lot of speed, but... I'm thinking in this race, maybe gets more of a maybe they just break it from that far outside post. Maybe they just try to drop in and not go forward. And I just like how she stuck on. I like her visually, the way she finished in some of her previous races. And maybe she can get a little piece underneath of Tamara, but it's the Tamara show for me. Okay. JK, how are you playing this race? You've obviously popped her in as your main selection for the win, but who's following her in behind and who are you on side with? Look, I've, I've been to, to hang out at, at the Malone Center for this, for this medallion party, and the bar is a lot of fun. And <laughs> there's a break coming up after this, so I'm going to hurry so everyone can get to the bar. Uh, <laughs> Tamara, Tamara's gone. I, I like the 11 underneath as a price. 
the 10, excuse me, accommodate Ava, the 10, the 10, the 10, the 10, the 10 as a price. I think Tamara's just better than these horses, and I can just repeat myself over and over about why I feel that way. She's just faster. So I think she's going to win. Yeah, no, I, I can I can see that. And sometimes I think, Philip, we can be at risk of overcomplicating these things. Do we need to do that with this race? You know, I don't think so. The only thing that makes me nervous, I've, ho- I've heard a few of the, the clocker type people out there say, you know, she isn't the best mover in the world. But, you know, at the end of the day, like her B race is probably good enough to beat most of the horses in here. So uh, she looks like she can be pretty tough. And I will, and, and I will say this too, just to be, you know, in the breeders cup, when you have all these amazing horses out here training, it's, it's easy for someone to say, Oh, that one's not moving that great or that. Cause they're all so gorgeous that they're all the best horses in the world. I remember a couple years back at Del Mar, there was uh, some buzz going around some pretty heavy buzz that echo Zulu wasn't training that well. And uh, you know what she turned into. Yeah, I think the key the key with all of it is, especially you get guys that come watch this horse that have never seen her before. And, you know, I try to – people are always like, how much of the physical do you look into? And I always say zero because I don't ever watch these horses. You know, if I'm watching them on TV, uh, you get a very quick snippet. Um, you know, I'll go to like JK's, you know, Maggie Wolfendell or somebody that watches the horses, knows them from race to race. But, you know, if you don't consistently see a horse, you have no barometer – on how to judge how they normally do. Some horses just are better movers than others that doesn't affect or affect them when they come to run of the race. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's move on, guys, to the juvenile fillies turf over the one mile, of course. And the focus here has to be Porta Fortuna for the medallion racing team. Uh, Philip, it's only right that we'll start with you, but you'll be amused that obviously she's in against another European in Carla's Way. And they're sort of the two of them are at the top of the anti-post market. Carla's Way for Simon and Ed Crisford, who's kind of more proven at the trip after what we saw her do at Newmarket the last day in the Rockfell Stakes. Some people say she was a little bit lucky that day in terms of it was messy and behind for others, but she can only go and win, and that's what Carla's way did. That was over the seven. She'll definitely get the mile. Porta Fortuna, of course, won over the six in the Cheveley Park and is stepping up to the mile for the first time, and that's where we will focus our question to you, Philip. Um, But you will laugh that when I was filling out our tip sheet everyone else has put their tips in already and without i mean i'm going to give it away but basically jk and peter and yourself of course all sung from the same hymn sheet in port fortuna and i thought well i can't put tip up carla's way now so i'll have to go with port fortuna so in she went so yeah peer pressure so it's a clear sweep for her but how is she what's the inside intel from donica's yard and are you confident of her staying the trip you know, I'm as confident as I can be without her having run the race already. Um, <laughs> you know, I think typically if you if you look at the Albany just as a race and horses that can run that, you know, a lot of them. I mean, Maj ran second and she just, you know, she won the thousand guineas just as a, as a recent example. Meditate won this race after winning the Albany last year. So the top two from that race last year, um, you know, both, you know, Meditate probably didn't quite get it as a three-year-old, but she definitely got it as a two-year-old. Um, I think the great thing about Porta Fortuna is she just travels really well in her races, but she's just very kind. Like she doesn't pull. She's just got plenty of natural speed. She seems to want to shut off. I think for a European horse, the other thing that always impresses me is she doesn't have to get covered up. Um, so breaking from six, you know, if we end up being, being a little bit wide, um, 
you know, at some point, I, I don't feel like she's a horse that just the second she gets daylight, she's just going to run off, which, you know, I think Carla's way, the way the Rockfell played out, um, you know, they went a very good gallop. They kind of made a bunch of those horses, horses run behind. And while I think you could say, well, the second and third place finisher came back to run one, two in the Phillies mile, you know, they basically ran against each other and a couple of horses that felt like a cut below. Um, so I think the form of that race, it looks great on paper, but then you say, what well, was, I think it was a six horse field in the Phillies mile. That even was a little bit of a messy race and you laying, you laying ended up just staying on and wanting the distance more. So, you know, fingers crossed she'll handle the mile. We've always kind of felt like this was the race we bought her after her maiden. And we kind of said, Hey, you know, we're going to run in this group three at NACE. If she runs good. We can go to Ascot. If she doesn't, we'll bring her to America. Um, she obviously won the race at NACE, won at Ascot, which is just a dream. Um, for all of our partners. And then at that point, the full focus was Breeders' Cup. You know, we kind of felt like coming to America, there's there's really only a, a handful of graded stakes races where there's plenty in, uh, plenty in Europe. So the, the focus is all, always shifted and, you know, fingers crossed she runs big. And, and at this point, you know, she, she's too good in Europe to even entertain coming to America bar the Breeders' Cup. So, you know, fingers crossed she runs big, big on Friday. Well, look, we'll, we're, we genuinely are all rooting for you. Peter, I know one of the angles you really like when it comes to betting these Breeders' Cup races with the Europeans anyway is trainers and owners who have had it on the agenda for a horse from a little way out. E.g. it's not just an afterthought because they've got in or because they could. It's been on their agenda. And, of course, that applies to Porta Fortuna, as Philip has just explained. Uh, is that the big angle you like with her? Plus, of course, what she's been doing on the track. I mean, for me, it's all about the combination of class, incredibly classy type for this race. There's the speed figure angle, definitely has an edge. And then as for the two turns question, of course it's a question, but we're dealing with a horse. You can get six furlongs at Ascot with the sort of stiff finish there. It's very, very likely you're going to be able to get two turns on tight on, on firm ground at Santa Anita. I think in terms of a test of stamina, they're actually about similar. And then, of course, as you point out, Vanessa, anytime you've got a very talented trainer with a target, that always makes my wagering antenna perk up. Porta Fortuna to the hoop. All right. Uh, and JK, do you have anything else to add other than, I mean, you've, you've slotted in Porta Fortuna as the win, but anything else in behind? No, you know, you know, look, uh, uh, in these races is the juvenile turf fillies and the uh, and the and the in the juvenile fillies or the juvenile turf. You know, I, I try to look at the speed figures. Timeform US does a great job of of giving you a, a figure that you can kind of compare to to some of the other performances we've seen here. Here's what I do know is that I don't think we offer the US offers too many good juvenile turf fillies. Um, and if Europe is bringing over two of their good ones. Then to me, that's enough to to, to move forward. Um, and, and so, look, I I I went with Porta Fortuna, and and uh, she feels pretty. I, I used in front of Carla's way just because I I just I thought she ran extremely well in her two races. But I don't have a whole lot to offer in this race uh, outside of the fact that it's pretty simple to me. Uh, I thought hard to justify I ran well last time, but she just got an easy lead, and and it's hard to play horses 
uh, off of uh, easy leads like that when they might not be as good as some of their competition. So I'll have some more creative and cute things to say uh, as we get further along these races. Yeah, that will allow you that. So JK's gone six, eleven, nine, uh, for what it's worth. But essentially, we're all with, of course, Port of Fortuna, and we weren't told to say that. <laughs> um, let's, let's move on uh, to the juvenile on the turf, of course, and over the mile and half a furlong. And if we're all in agreement with Port of Fortuna, it's very much the opposite for these Colts on the dirt. Uh, the selection sheet is all over the place, lads. JK, I'm going to start with you, hoping that you've referenced having something a little bit different to play here. Um, you've got Locked, Muth and Timberlake currently on the anti-post markets in the UK, all the same price. They all come in here with different form lines, uh, different crossover lines. It's absolutely fascinating to me as an outsider when it comes to these dirt races. Can you even attempt to unpick this with any real confidence? It feels like it is wide open. Uh, I'm extremely confident that whoever wins this race is likely on to superstardom. Um, wow. We know what, these, wow. the, we know what the, the, the juveniles and what the juvenile produces. It gets everyone excited about the derby. But I, I, this is such a good group um, of horses that could be really horses that you could really, really lean on if there weren't, you know, you know, the other horses you could really, really lean on. Uh, Timberlake, Prince of Monaco, Muth, uh, Locked. I think General Partner's pretty damn good. I, I, I would say this, though. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about being at Saratoga is hearing all the buzzy things and uh, about horses and kind of taking notes in your head and talking to people. Uh I had a Hall of Fame trainer tell me that he has never, under any any age, sex, has ever seen a horse work better on the Oklahoma than Timberlake did on two occasions. Two. Wow. Which is why I was so shocked why this horse ran so poorly in the hopeful, um, considering the trip and how the horse came back to win and run. Now I understand he is who I think he was. And I think the Timberlake's going to continue to improve and continue to grow. I think Prince of Monaco is really good, but the gap for a young horse concerns me. I know Baffert can do it with American Pharaoh. He can do it with Arrogate going long, going the mile and a quarter. But it bothers me with a horse like Prince of Monaco that they took that little bit of a break leading up to this. So I'm going to pick Timberlake on top. I will use Prince of Monaco. And I do believe the general partner is extremely live. And I'm a little bit against Locked. I know he ran well, but I'm a little bit against him. I think that race is a little bit dressed up. Okay, very interesting. So JK then has gone four to eight in this fascinating renewal of the juvenile. Um, meanwhile, we better go to you then, PTF, next, because he's against Locked, and yet Locked, horse number six, is in your top spot. Yeah, we're not exactly oppo in our view of the race. I think we have the contenders identified similarly, but – I just think Locked looks like a horse that's poised to make another forward move. And I think that's really what's interesting about him. I guess we just see that last race a little bit differently. But I'm less worried about the form of the race because I like him so much from a condition angle, if that makes sense. I just think he's going to run his best race, and I think that puts him right in the mix. Timberlake, I'm I'm still hung up on – I'm hung up on that ridic – not ridiculously, but just very low – hopeful speed figure, but I'm beginning to come around. I'm definitely going to be having a lot of combinations with Timberlake in them. For me, I'm anti 
Prince of Monaco for similar reasons JK was intimating. And I think Muth is probably the more interesting of the Baffert pair. That would be my third one in there. I may just try to lock this race up with those three. But yeah, locked technically my top pick. Okay. Six, four, ten then for Peter. And then just to add some real extra confusion <laughs> into the mix, Philip, we'll throw over to you to suggest someone else completely. Yeah, I, I would I would be a on the same vein as uh, as JK and Pete, I'm probably slightly against Prince of Monaco, just same reason JK and Pete talked about just, you know, he might be good enough, but I'm not sure pedigree says longer's better. And he, he does have this break, which just isn't ideal. I ended up landing on the 11 noted. He's got to get way better, but he's going to be a big price. I think um, he's only run one time on the dirt. He ran really well. He beat Dornock, who's a horse that's had a lot of hype surrounding him that horse came back and won as easy as you could possibly win at keeneland uh, albeit against much softer uh, much softer competition and i just think i could see a scenario where timberlake and a bunch of these horses just hook up um three eighths out and somebody just comes and picks up the pieces um and i think that that could be noted you know i'm not i'm not going to throw off locked or, or mooth or timberlake um you know off any of my tickets but uh, uh, noted as a horse, I just I want to include. I think as one dirt race was pretty good, um, and I think if if some of these horses that are going to get similar trips, if they really amp the pressure up with with three eights left, it could leave leave them vulnerable late. Okay, eleven six and ten then for Philip in the juvenile. Let's move on. Last race before the break, and you get to go get a drink and freshen yourself up before we rattle through Saturday. But of course, we have the juvenile turf to focus on first and very hopeful obviously for the Europeans in this Aiden O'Brien to the fore and it's River Tiber who is the choice of Ryan Moore and is the choice of a couple of the lads as well um that has meant that unquestionable is sort of the second string for Aiden but of course has the booking of Frankie the Tory on after that there's a couple in there the likes of Endlessly and then there's some horses at a few bigger prices. Carson's run currently 12 to 1 as well. But the focus is at the top of the market with the Europeans. Um, River Tiber was such a precocious two-year-old. He was very much the O'Brien talking horse two-year-old at the start of the year. He won his maiden so early, rattled all the way through to the commentary at Royal Ascot. Very much the hype horse. Things, his profile has become a little bit unsexy with the defeat since he's been sort of slightly pummeled by Van Dijk, who, of course, is one of the crack two-year-olds over in Europe currently. Um, he's stepping up from the six to the mile for the first time. There's a stat going around that no Aidan O'Brien juvenile. He's run, is it 23 or 25 juveniles in this race in the past? And none of them in that process have stepped up from the six to the mile without doing the seven in between anywhere. Uh, the only horse to do that was, of course, Johannesburg on the dirt. So it's an interesting angle that they haven't had the opportunity to step him up in trip from the six. But for me, that's because back home, he's having to deal with um, two extra, it, well, two pretty extraordinary two-year-olds back at home to beat. So he hasn't really had the opportunity, River, River Tiber, for the team. This is his chance, and I think he's going to shine. He's the choice of Ryan Moore. There seems to be a real split divide about whether Ryan has made the right choice. JK, I'm going to come to you first for this one. Do you think Ryan 
has chosen the right horse above unquestionably? So it's funny if, if, if you weren't on here and someone else asked me that question, I would text you, Hey, do you think Ryan picked the right horse? And then you would tell me the answer to that question. And then I would regurgitate that question on this early. I, I, I've always told people to, to be a good horse player, you have to know what you don't know and, and then know what you know. I just don't follow the racing over there enough to, to make that assessment. But I will tell you this. One of the things I do do is I listen and, and I listened to – we had Michael uh, Adolfson on our show that talked about that decision and, and him waiting. He watches a lot of it. He knows all of it, waiting to see if Ryan – who Ryan was going to choose. Um, and then hearing you talk about the horse, I, I do believe based on other people's opinions that, that, that Ryan picked the right horse. But in a, in a multi-race situation, I'm not getting beat by unquestionable, right? I, I, uh, I'm going to use that horse as well in here. Um, but I do think one of these two Aiden O'Brien horses will win based on what I think uh, the other horses have to offer. Okay. So I'm, you know, we're talking Pete, uh, Philip, I know you obviously follow the European racing very closely, specific, the two year olds. Um, are you kind of, do you see where I'm coming from in the sense that this river Tiber yeah. hasn't had the opportunity yeah. because of city of Troy and because of yeah. Henry Longfellow, because of what they're doing, it's made life tough for a horse like river Tiber who is so precocious. Yeah. And I, and I think the fact that he, you know, he had the mid season issue because he would have been a heavy favorite in the Phoenix. Um, and he just couldn't make yeah. the race. And then he went to the morning, you know, slightly under, a hundred percent and he came on. I think the interesting thing, like something I looked at a lot with, with Porta, but you know, the middle park, they ran, they ran at 30 minutes after the Shevely park. The Shevely park was actually just a faster race in final time. And like Van Deek looked like a world beater in there, but like for reference, Porta Fortuna actually ran a final three eighths faster than Van Deek did and a final eighth. Um, so on like pure time, I don't even know how strong the middle park was. You would just say on the face of it, Van Dijk's the only two-time grade one winning, uh, grade one winner in Europe. So it had to be pretty strong. But the time is a little bit weird for me. And mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's why I went with unquestionable. He's already been seven. Um, but what I would say is I think it's a flip of a coin. Like yeah. I'm going to play them both at equal weight. And I'm probably yeah, only going to just- play those two. I think one of the two of them wins. Totally get that. And also think, you know, there's in a way there's less question marks about unquestionable in the sense of, oh, another pun. Very good on the puns today. Um, in the sense of he's he's pretty rock solid. River Tiber was very keen the last day. You'd want him just to drop the bridle a little bit, hope that a bit of that freshness has been taken out of him. Before the break, Peter, do you have anyone else you'd like to add into the mix other than the aforementioned River Tiber unquestionable angles? I think that this could be a Ballydoyle one, two, three. And Ooh. I think that a mountain bear is worth discussing as a horse who you want to look at a giant speed figure, huge figure from the Dundalk race has gone left-handed huge uh, late pace number coming out of that run as well. Obviously on form isn't supposed to lay a glove 
on those top two, but it's racing and weird stuff happens. And if not, there is a one, two, three potential for Bally Doyle. And the other horse I want to mention of the, of the locals, I really like uh, the future that endlessly has. And that's another number I'd want on some of my tickets there. And then just very quickly about Ryan Moore and the choice. I mean, River Tiber was a month ago, not coming here. And the fact that not only he's now here and Ryan Moore is riding, that's a proxy for a really great, workout report you know this horse must be kicking down the door at home to get here and uh, he is my confident top selection uh and i have no knocks on unquestionable but uh, i think it's a really interesting race maybe to get involved in exotically okay well on that note then i think we can tell people to go off run to the bar now's your chance get out up and out to the bar please we will take a 10 minute break and of course we'll be back to talk all things saturday at the breeders cup classic dirt mile mile on the turf there's loads to get through and some fascinating races and i can already tell you there's some very split opinions coming your way again so go and get a drink and come back in 10 minutes we'll be back in 10. okay welcome back everyone i hope we're all back in situ hope everyone has a drink in hand please uh we roll on guys to the saturday of the breeders cup fixture and of course this is where things really start to hot up we're going to start with the dirt mile the juveniles and the two-year-olds obviously behind us at this stage and it's all about solid form going forward so straight into the dirt mile and i'm going to start with you jk you lucky devil you um tell me obviously the most sort of i was gonna say the most overdone story of the breeders cup and so yeah the breeders cup of the last 12 months anyway is the cody's wish story but i i think saying overdone makes it sound like i mean that in not a positive way i of course mean it in a positive sense and three out of four of us think that that fairy tale will get back on track here in the dirt mile and jk i believe you are one of them yeah i mean look i think it's a cute opinion to try to to beat cody's wish off of his last two races but i think he's had excuses in both of those races and i think if you look at his race uh three and four back you, you look at the met mile uh you look at, at the at the churchill downs um, you look at his race in this race last year, you know, so three, four, and five races back. He absolutely dusts this field. And I think that in the Whitney, he wasn't himself going to two turns mile and an eighth. Um, and, and 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 then I thought last time in the Vosburgh, he just, you know, the pace was slow. He broke slow. It was He was kind of tricky, you know, kind of in a tricky situation. I think he's going to kind of show back up. And apparently for those who have an eye for for horse flesh out here, um, he's just been traveling like an absolute monster around here. Uh, I think Cody's wish will uh, will defend his title. All right, keeping it simple then with the three horse, Cody's wish. Um, the person who seems to want to knock that fairy tale off his track is you, Peter. So explain yourself. How dare you? Oh, Peter's on hey, mute. mute. You see this? I did this that as a tribute. Is- I did that as a tribute to Jonathan, who does that to me. We, I never do that, and so now we're now. Look, look how happy he is. Look how happy I made him. Leave Delighted with himself. Leave it to me to be the guy who pisses in the Cheerios uh, here. I, <laughs> I'll be honest. I feel like I committed myself a long way out to wanting to beat Cody's wish in this spot, and maybe I'm being a little bit stubborn, but. 
I do think Zozos is a quality horse with a major pace advantage. The closer we get to the race, though, the more in my actual wagering um, of Cody's Wish I'm going to be using for two main reasons. Um, one is Jonathan intimated, really a horse who's been catching the eye. And then the other one being relating a little bit to what we talked about before about the Breeders' Cup and, and just the idea of a race target. I feel like after the Whitney, Bill Mott, you know, they said, okay, we're not going to go long. We're going to go back to the dirt mile. It's probably a short horse in the Vosburg too. That was probably why he made such uh, hard work of it. Still got the job done. He's a major player, but you know, my official pick is to go against it with Zozos, and I'll have plenty of my betting that way. Okay, and you, Peter, I'm sorry, Philip, I think you're very much with the Cody's Wish um, fairy tale. And I mean, I'm, you know, saying fairy tale, but as JK said, he this field should be surely below him. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if he comes back to his best race, you know, everybody else is running for second. You know, I think you could mm -hmm. say the Whitney didn't go to plan. It, he didn't handle the stretch out. He was also super wide. Um, last time it was slower from a speed figure perspective, but Bill Mott's as good as anybody in the whole game about um, bringing a horse along and trying to have him peak on the big day. Um, and like JK said, they just said he's been training like a monster. The one thing I have in the back of my mind is exactly what Pete said, that Zozos could get loose. Um, and sometimes at Santa Anita on these big days uh, on the dirt, it can be very hard to make up ground. Um I wanted a little bit of uh, of the one pipeline. I thought, or a stage raider, sorry, pipeline's the Gunther's other horse. Um, stage raider, I thought two back ran really well in his first start for Cherie DeVoe. Last time ran well, Zozos was just loose, wasn't wasn't catching, but gets to a two-turn, um, two-turn mile, which, you know, I think that's, Cody's Wish won this race last year at Keeneland, which was a two-turn mile, but it's a one of the races that can be a different configuration every year depending on where they where they run it at um and both stage raider and and zozos are coming off one turn mile races but i think uh, stage raiders could be close sit close enough get first run on cody's wish and and if it's tough to close ground could could get in the exacta okay three four one then for philip um let's move on to the phillies and mares turf now this I find this genuinely one of the most fascinating races. I think the most fascinating race of the meeting, actually. It's just, yeah, it's got it's got so much. So at the top of the market, you've got Inspiral. This five-time Group 1 winner over from Europe, out-and-out out miler over there. But with this unique profile of having such attractive trainer, jockey, of course, Gosden teaming up with Frankie. You all know that story by now. And she comes here off the back of two Group 1 wins. So what is not to love, you, you say? The fact that she's stepping up in trip is a question mark. She can be brilliant or she can flop. She's done that at very short. She's been beaten at very short odds before. She's disappointed before when expected to go much better. Yes, she's had excuses, but there's been times where the excuses have been minimal with her. And even afterwards, trainer, jockey, etc., they don't understand why she's flopped, but she has. So she has this inconsistent profile. Bizarre, and it's a bizarre thing to say about a horse who's won multiple Group 1 races. She's taking on a three-year-old filly from the O'Brien yard in Warm Heart who's got this steadily progressive 
profile that she's built on all season long. And when she won over in France, when we last saw her in the May, she did that despite falling out the stalls, despite being in a tricky spot, having to do it the hard way, and she won it. Now, the question mark with her in Spiral is stepping up in trip, Warm Heart is stepping down in trip, and then... They have in Italian to take on, who in the betting, of course, is the sort of first spot horse for Team USA. So, JK, I've hopefully explained the key European angles here. You're obviously within Italian. I know you're going to be. You've put that forward. Do you genuinely think Chad Brown's in Italian can get the better of, I'm going to call them my two? Warm heart and inspiral. Well, I, I need you to. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to, to rank your two, um, and include uh, include Tuesday from last year. And can you rank those three for me? In which order do you prefer? Uh, who's better of those three? Okay, I go like this, please. Number one, warm heart. Number two, inspiral. Number three, Tuesday. Okay, so. Then, you know, I think in a situation where then I'm going to show some respect to, to warm heart and inspiral um, when 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 if your answer would have been different, I, I would have leaned heavenly on in Italian. I, I, yeah. I think in Italian is special. Um, she's shown that on the racetrack. But I think one of the things that she is that I love is that she's a forward placed distance turf horse. Uh, forwardly placed distance turf horse, which we don't always have. We have some that can go out there and get loose and get cheap, and then oh, they'll win if things go their way. In Italian's one of those like almost dirt horses where she's better going 46 than she is going 48 um, on the front end. And and she reminds me a lot of not she doesn't remind me of, she makes me think of Day at the Spa, who Chad trained going a mile and a quarter here and let her get loose on the front end. She's like 17 times better than Day at the Spa. Um, I think if an Italian can find a way to go 47, 46 and four, I think she'll wire this group. And I like the inside draw from her. I think they'll send her away from there. I respect the Euros. I'll use them defensively. Not defensively. I'll use them as well to defend the opinion of how much I love in Italian. Uh, but those are the only three I'm going to use. Uh, in Italian, warm heart and in spiral. Yeah. Okay. I get, I get that, and I am really respectful of in Italian, but I think, yeah, I do, I do, I think Warm Heart is a better horse than Tuesday. Um, Peter, I'm going to come to you next here because I mean we mentioned it in the first part there, talking about you liking that profile of horses who have been targeted at the Breeders' Cup from a little way out, and we always wait to see how the O'Brien team develops and how that goes and how it falls into place nearer the time what actually gets on the plane to come over here. But Warm Heart had her ticket brought sorted after that York win. She was being spoken about then as very much a horse to target for the Breeders' Cup from the team, which was an early shout for the O'Briens. Love York form, generally speaking, coming to, to the USA. I think it's a race where there's three different pace scenarios and which scenario it is is going to dictate the winner. If an Italian gets her absolute dream run, as JK was describing, I think she can wire him. I think under those circumstances, there's a world in which Warm Heart finds this mile and a quarter starting down the hill just a bit too sharp for what she does yeah. well. In Spiral, as you mentioned, throws in the occasional clunker. She's a little hard for me to trust as a top pick, so I'm happy with making an Italian my top pick in that regard. But 
if in Italian, if something goes a little bit wrong, if they go a little bit too fast early, whatever happens in spiral and in spiral handles the bends, which is an open question. I do think there's a world in which she gets the absolute perfect trip. And again, maybe it's just a little bit too sharp for warm heart or they go fast. They bring stamina into play and it's all over and warm heart wins. So in terms of my betting scenarios, I want to account for all three of those possibilities last week when in Italian was still silly prices, she was the clear value of the race. That's gone. Um, and now it's it's a question of picking the one you want. I'm sticking to my guns and sticking with an Italian, but you know, uh, just starting from scratch, it's almost like a co-pick with warm heart at this point. Yeah, I might just, as I throw over to Philip for this race, as the boys have described, it's, you know, as with all races, it's it's very much in how it plays out. And in the first few furlongs, you may well know your fate a little bit. I should just give a little shout out, a little each way squeak to Lumiere Rock. Joseph O'Brien just has the one runner over here at this Breeders' Cup this year. They're bringing Lumiere Rock over. She's been a bit of a revelation, really, since they put the blinkers on her. Um, she's really stepped forward. She probably doesn't have the same sexy, progressive profile. And on all-known form, you're looking at her and you're thinking she would have to take a big step forward. But I do think she is taking those steps forward. Um, and I expect her to do the same again here, whether that step will be big enough to mix it with the likes of Warm Heart and Inspiral is a question mark. But I do think that she's probably a little bit overpriced. Currently, like an anti-post price of 14s is too much for a horse like Lumiere Rock. So just throwing that in there. But Philip, is your focus on those top two European horses in Inspiral and Warm Heart, six and two? Everything that I want to do is just wants to just hammer and spiral. Um, you know, I think t if she's ever going to get 10 furlongs, it's at Santa Anita. Um, you know, the, they have the downhill start. It's a little bit easier. It's tighter turn. She doesn't have to be as far back probably as what Warm Heart's going to be. Um, and I think she could end up just getting a dream trip. You know, I think she could be five to two. Um, you know, I think the the horse i want to try to get in the mix at a price is is the nine didia um i like i've really liked this filly i thought she was impressive last time winning the rodeo drive that was a soft race we had a we had a filly in there um but she just did it really impressively it was her first start off of like a three or four month layoff i think she's going to move forward she's got to run over santa anita over this course and distance um, which is definitely unique surface to me, the question is, it's not in spiral. The only way she loses is if she beats herself. Um, if she just yeah. throws her head up when they come down the hill or whatever. But to me, you know, it feels like she wants firmer ground. Um, she should get a good trip. She absolutely can kick. And I really like the way Frankie's ridden her. Like in a, in a couple of her most recent races, he just has put them to the sword and not even played around. And he just he made them no contests. Um, and I think that style makes me feel like she's going to stretch. He's never worried about her stamina. He's saying, Hey, I'm on the best horse, you know, come get me. Mm -hmm. Um, and her subpar performances, I think, you know, you could say, Hey, in the Sussex, it was just an absolute bog. She didn't want that. Um, you know, the QE2 at the end of the last year is a long year, soft ground. So to me, I just think her best race is a lot better than anybody else's. And if, if I wanted to take a horse stepping up from a mile that's been ridden the way that she's been ridden or take a horse cutting back from a mile and a half, 
at Santa Anita, I'd much rather take a horse stepping up from a mile. At Keeneland, maybe it would be a different scenario with probably more given the ground, maybe a little bit more of a stamina contest. But at Santa Anita, I'd much rather take a horse going from a mile to a mile and a quarter than, than dropping back in distance. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see that angle. Uh, fascinating. As I said at the start, Billy's and Mare's Turf, for me, one of the most interesting races, if not the most interesting race of the meeting. Uh, let's move on, stick with the Phillies and Mares, but this time it is down to sprint trips, please. And of course, it's back to being all about the Americans here. Um, JK, better start with you. Chance of it being a very quick fire double if an Italian has gone in for the man Chad Brown with Goodnight Olive going for a win in the race again. Currently at the top of the market, she's going to go off a pretty hot favourite for this. Is it kind of the same rules apply as we've said a few times in terms of her best is a cut above these now? Well, I mean, look, she was outstanding in the in the Philly Amir Sprint last year, and her Madison was good, but it left a little to be desired. Her Derby City distaff, she had trouble in there um, where she never really got a chance to run. Her Bed of Roses was an oddly run race that she ran well, but she wasn't running to her normal races, and I think people started to think she had tailed off. And in my opinion, her ballerina might be the best race she ever ran, and she didn't win. She got taken out of her game to have to chase Echo Zulu around there. She ran a figure that makes sense in terms of what we know that she is. And when she drew the rail, I remember sitting on the couch and going, oh. And then, like, after 15 minutes of thinking about it, I'm actually extremely happy that she drew the rail because I want her to be ridden more forwardly. I don't want her to take back. She was pretty close last year, considering she was fifth early, but she was close. I want her to be sent away from there to hold her position. I don't want her to take back and try to get cute. And I think from the inside, they'll kind of send her away from there to be forward. And I think that's going to play in her favor. Society won't get loose on her. And I think Goodnight Olive is is one, I, I think is one of three repeat champions that we're going to see at this Breeders' Cup. Wow. Okay. Repeat champions. I'm all. I'm all about that. I like a repeat champion. Um, Philip, I'll come to you next. Do you share that sort of same confidence with Goodnight Olive? I I like that angle of. I think it's easy to look at the fact she's beaten and sort of think, oh, you know, that is a negative. But JK's kind of outlined it so well there in regards to how that run could have been one of her better ones because of how it played out. Do you share that same confidence about her here? You know, as a general rule in handicapping for me, I try to – her race that she ran in the ballerina, I completely agree with what JK said. It, it wasn't her ideal trip. Her main competitor, Echo Zulu, looked like she was going to be as loose as she wants, which ended up happening. Um, but it, it also never felt like she was going to win at, at any point. Um and she got a really fast number that's significantly faster than, than what she's run. Um, sometimes I think horses like that, they're, she's going to come back to some level of mean. It was also her only start in the slop, and she has a monster um, – she has a monster, like, wet pedigree. You know, I just don't love her at six to five. The price is the only thing. I think she's going to absolutely trip out. I think society and Yagiri are probably going to go straight to the front. You also have clearly unhinged is drawn down inside. Ida's drawn down inside. Uh, I, or Ida's in there. I think you could have four horses that just go. And I don't think she's going to be way off of it. But from the rail, she should get a really good stalking trip. You know, I'm going to have her on all tickets. I ended up 
and it's part of it is a sentimental thing. I'm good friends with the owner of the five, Kirsten Bosch. Um, I don't know if she's good enough to win. She's probably not good enough to win, but I think she's a horse that if the pace gets hot, which I think it's almost guaranteed to be hot, Yagiri's very good. She's much better at six. Society has got one way to win, and it's get completely loose on the front. I could see a world where this pace gets really quick and kind of like Shamrock Rose won a couple years ago, or that's more than a couple years ago now, but at Churchill, where you know you could look at the race after the race is over and say, how does she win this? Um, but it just became a complete pace meltdown. And I could see something like that happening here because you have a couple of horses who are very good, but the only way they can win is if they get loose on the front. Um, I'm not way against Goodnight Olive. I just don't love you know what could be even money or less. And and Kirsten Bosch is a horse I want to try to get in the mix at, at a much bigger price. Okay. Peter, do you agree? With her, with her at a much bigger price, or are you more about the horses nearer the top of the market here? I think it's a two-horse race. I think it's just Society and Goodnight Olive just stand out above this field on figures. I think Society's been really good and is one of these horses who, you know, when you examine the the, the runs, looks like maybe, maybe somebody could think is in need the lead, but I don't think really is the way she's been able to finish up. I think she can just get a great forward trip. I don't like the draw for Goodnight Olive. You know, we don't know how the track's going to be playing here as we sit and we do this show on Wednesday night, but the modern racetrack profile a lot of times has the rail just not really being the place to be. It seems like there's some theory among groundskeepers at the uh, track maintenance crews, whatever you want to say, that a dead rail somehow makes it makes for a safer track. And that's it's just a lot to overcome. I mean, Goodnight Olive can easily win. I think society's better value. But I will say this. I mean, I think Phillips Kirstenbosch is super duper interesting to get in there and, and run third to those two. I, I, I like that trifecta a lot. Like to me, okay. society is a horse like society is going to win or she's going to be nowhere, which is kind of how her form is. Like if she gets loose, if she gets loose and gets confident and just gallops them into the ground, you know, she could win by four or five. She's done it plenty of times in big races, but she's also been there and then done absolutely no running uh, at the end of the race. And to me, she's just kind of a boom or bust type horse. Boom or bust. I hate those sort of horses, but um, when you, when I'm always t- tend to be with them when they bust and against <laughs> them when they boom tends to be my <laughs> tends to be the way. I'm afraid. Um, on we roll, guys. On we roll to the mile. And judging by the tip sheet, big split opinion again here. I knew it was going to get spicy as this show rolled on. Um, so Morge is of course. Well, I say of course is currently an anti-post favorite for this for the Saeed bin Saro team um but up near the top of the betting is of course the Japanese mare in Songline master of the season there for Charlie Appleby so Godolphin got a relatively good handle on this Kalina of course the surprise winner of the foray when we last saw here in pretty you know controversial circumstances ended up in the stewards room that race but Morge, the focus point here. Uh, Philip, I'm going to start with you because I'm intrigued to see what you think with that sort of like European handle on her form and then what she did when we last saw her over the nine in Keeneland. Of course, there was a debate over whether she was going to go up in trip to the Phillies and Mares turf or down in trip to this. They were very clear that this is where they wanted to go with her. It's been a fascinating campaign by the Saeed Yard with her throughout this year, I think. Very, you know, un like 
unconventional, hasn't it? You know, with that Maidan start, the Guineas, the summer off, America. She's done a bit of everything. Um, I'm with her in this. I'm really excited to see her around Santa Anita and the mile here. Uh, what's your view on Morge and the campaign she's had and specifically what she did at Keen the last time? Would you have put her over further for this or, or are you pleased with their decision to drop to the mile? I might have put her over further. I think it's, you know, they kept her here after the QE2. Um, we actually had two horses in the QE2, and um, we were up entertaining our our partners. And um, I saw Dan Pride, who would be a good friend, and he's the CEO of Darley America. But he said, oh, hey, come here. I want you to meet somebody. And it was Saeed. And I was kind of like, oh, we have no shot if um, if Saeed's flown over with, uh, with this filly for the big race. Yeah. And she was super impressive. And, you know, I think the fact she beat Tahira, it was forever back to third. Tahira, all she did was go on and win three group ones after that. It's probably the best three-year-old filly in Europe this year. Um, but it is just a weird campaign. And to me, it's just – it's a lot to ask for. Like, she had a hard race at Keeneland. She was on the pace. Um, she kind of had to shake loose, got a little bit of a challenge, put those away, and then Lindy flew at her late. Um, I guess the thought would be if she takes a step forward off that race, she, she could be very good. Um, ultimately, you know, I think Songline is, is very serious. Um, I wanted to make, make her my top pick. I ended up going with Kalina just cause I think she'd be a much bigger price. Um, but if, if Songline fl can float up at all, um, you know, that'd be a horse. I definitely want to, want to bet. I thought Kalina, um, you know, it says good to soft, but everybody that was in France would say the ground was firmer, um, on arc weekend, think horses traditionally that have run in the foray do well in the Breeders' Cup mile. Um, and I think this filly could actually float up quite a bit in price. Um, and it just feels like her races on firmer footing are her best races. So maybe she, she can take a step forward. Um, but again, you know, I, I think uh, I'd probably be slightly against Maj at the price because I think if I would, could get Songline or Maj at a similar, similar thing, I'd much prefer Songline. Okay, yeah. I mean, I do think the price has been squeezed with Morge. I feel like she's been a bit of like the the horse to be with. I, I, a lot of whispers about Morge on the track. Um, it's a very international field, JK, which is, of course, what the Breeders' Cup event wants. You know, representation from the UK, from Japan, obviously America, and then the French horse in there as well. It's a spicy little contest. How did you dissect some of that international form? How do you weigh it up? How do you get a handle on the race? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, Songline and, and, and Kalina are two horses that I'll definitely use. Uh, I'm a little bit against Maj uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I thought she got loose in there going longer, um, and, and that was kind of her, you know, her, her it was a very good race for her. But the problem for me is that horses don't win this race wire to wire. They, they just just doesn't happen. Um, especially because it seems like there's always a scramble to get to the front. Uh, there's always horses that, that don't really like where they drew because of that scramble to get to the front going into the first turn that they're used aggressively. There's always firm ground. So people want to, you know, take advantage of that. And I just feel like this race always ends up kind of falling apart. And I just still can't really design the race in which Maj is going to get a great trip cutting back like that with slow pace figures last time. Just a little bit of a concern to me, and I think she's going to be over bet. Uh, like I said, I'll use the other two, but the one horse that I'm really uh, pretty high on, and I have been since the middle of the summer, uh, is, is Casa Creed. You know, he, he's just a horse that always shows up. 
He's been doing it for years now. Whether you put him on a plane to Saudi Arabia, you put him on a plane to Dubai, you, you run him, it doesn't matter. He, he just shows up and he runs, whether he's going six, whether he's going a mile. He, he's just a gutsy horse. And I think one thing that he's always wanted was a chance to kind of run at real pace in a mile race on firm ground, and he's going to get that. I think Casa Creed is going un- to outrun his odds, and I really do look for him to come rolling late. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be good enough to beat uh, a horse like uh, Songline, but I do think that he definitely deserves to be involved in, in your wagers. Okay, keeping him on side then. Uh, Peter, w- what about you and this? I know that a little bit later you're keen on a French horse, but we haven't even mentioned a horse like Master of the Season here, who of course comes here off the back of the slight disappointment when we last saw him for the Appleby team. But we know what Team Appleby does with these sort of races. He's a quirky little... I was going to swear, but I am a professional, so I didn't. Uh, but he is, he is quirky. We've seen it on the track already this week. We've seen it in his form before. We've seen it at the Breeders' Cup. We've seen that quirk at the Breeders' Cup as well. Um, so he's quite an unattractive horse for punters, I think. But he remains a talented horse. And I think he probably is worth a mention in here, isn't he? Well, I think he would have been worth more of a mention if he was not drawn in the uh, mall out by uh, Din Tai Fung here at, at Santa Anita. That's going to be very tricky for Master of the Seas, who I was already a little against on my sort of pet theory. He's just more of a galloping type of a horse that wouldn't be suited by this configuration anyway. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the French runner. I do think Kalina goes with a chance. I respect Songline, but I'm trying to blow up the board in here, Vanessa, with Cheryl Spite. This is a horse whose form, to me, just looks very dirtied up. These last two runs has been uh, short of fitness both times, uh, according to Connections. Had no chance of uh, catching Master of the Seas in the Woodbine Mile with that pace setup. Ran second in this race last year to Modern Games, who's no slouch. And I just think he's kind of laid out for this at 30 to 1 with a good draw in a race where so many of these horses we're talking about have very, very difficult draws. I mean, I would have wanted to make you a wise guy case for more than looks. That one's in the 13, Master of the Seas 14, Kalina 11, Songline 10. None of that's going to be easy. Maybe Cheryl Spike can trip out a little bit in here and, uh, and get a piece of this. If not, win the whole thing. 30 to 1, sign me up. Wow. Okay. I like it. That's a, that's a big price swing there. Um, for that, I will reward you by you can go first in the distaff, staff, you lucky little thing, Peter. Um, now, uh, this race is, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it's like some sort of absolute hellhole for European punters. Uh, so I can safely say I have absolutely no handle on this race itself. So you, Peter, can help. And um yeah, point me in the right direction. Idiomatic, the one at the top of the market for Brad Cox off the back of this role that she's found herself on. She's taking on Adair Manor, Clarier in their randomised and search result for, of course, Chad Brown. Um, but like the Brad Cox horse at the top, in fact, are you going to share with people the bet you've had in regards to Brad Cox? Can I throw you under the bus with that? <laughs> Yeah, that was a drunken bet that I'm going to quite possibly lose, though this race will probably determine whether I win or lose it. I bet uh, our crazy Australian friend, Andrew Brown, he wanted a, he wanted to bet that Brad Cox was going to, you know, like win everything. So we made a one and a half Brad Cox winners 
bet. He took the over. I took the under. Idiomatic can absolutely win. She's been so good. But I don't have her on top here because it just feels like a race that almost has to be a pace boil over. And if it's a pace boil over, I think Clarier is the one who is the best closer. She didn't look good in the last race. But remember last year coming into this, she didn't look good in the prep or in the actually it was the, the, the pre prep. It was it was the same similar kind of spacing too off a bad effort. She ran third, almost won the whole thing. I think she's terrific in here again. Wild prices from last week are long gone. She's still my top pick. This could get so fast and crazy also. I see looking at the grid, we have a couple of people who suggest wet paint to hit the board. I could surely see that. But what about Le Davida at a zillion to one? I mean, this is a race where just two years ago we saw the uh, – was two years ago, yeah? The boil over of all uh, of all boil overs with, yeah, Marshall Lorraine coming out of nowhere. I mean, this is a race where I truly believe because the pace is going to be so wild, you could see a, a 30 to one winner again. I'm with Clarier. I'll respect idiomatic to have on on tickets. Plus, I need to hedge with the brownie bet. Uh, but I have Leda Vita coming to get a, a piece in third here. Nine four eleven in the distance. Okay, Claria then at the top of that nine four eleven. Um, Jk, you in agreement in regards to how this race might play out for Claria? Yeah, I think it's going to be fast. You know, I think she's going to get a setup, um, and she's one of those horses that she needs a setup to kind of run her best race. I don't think she's one of those types of horses that's going to overcome a lot of adversity. And I think that if, if they run in front of her, she she should be able to pick up some pieces. And, and I do think she will do that. Uh, idiomatic, she's gotten really good. And, and speed in dirt races is, is something that I'll always respect. So I'm not going to try to get cute. The speed of the speed can win as well. So I'll definitely have both of them. My, my more clever opinion, if you want to call it that, is the six search results. I, I think she's going to run well. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you look at her nine furlong races, she lost a Malathot. Uh, in the Kentucky Oaks, she lost uh, in, in the Ogden Phipps uh, at a mile and a sixteenth. She's she's just she's, but she's been losing to good horses with bad circumstances. I think she's going to run significantly better than some people might think. Um, I see her getting into the trifecta. Okay, who else would you like to add into the mix, Philip? Any other names to add in? The mention of wet paint there um, from. Peter, in terms of a selection, a name that you would like to throw in there amidst the others? Yeah, I just think it's a play on the pace scenario. I think, you know, Randomize has got a ton of speed. Adair Manor has basically been ahead by open links in all of her races. So has Idiomatic. Um, and, you know, if you look at the, the fractions in some of Idiomatic's last races, they're relatively slow. Um, and I think she's going to have to go much faster. So I just think it could set up. I thought I was getting a little bit cute with Clarier and then um, Pete and JK both both, both picked her yeah. as well. Um, I will say I got my picks in first. Um, yeah. But, no, I thought I thought Wet Paint could get a good setup, um, you know, to just come from off the pace. I think, um, you know, just purely a, a pace play. I wouldn't be shocked if Idiomatic just – set just off the one thing i didn't like was just she was drawn down inside um you know of adair manor and i thought maybe adair manor could just put the pressure on her and, and, and make it tough for her to get the right kind of trip in here but um you know i was selfishly kind of hoping uh you know hoping clarier she's just been a cool horse to follow she's danced a lot of dances and you know she has you know her best race is certainly good enough to win 
Yeah, I love it when you go first with your picks, Philip, and then the lads obviously filled in this uh, like chart we've got. And like you say, you're trying to be clever and then they're also trying to be clever too. <laughs> the wise guy selection, Clarier. Um, we roll on, guys, to the Breeders' Cup turf. And if I was talking about the Phillies and Mares turf being a fascinating race, then, oh, my lordy, this for the Europeans. In terms of the market, the top four are all over from Europe. Um, August Rodin is the main horse in there for Aidan O'Brien. Mostadaf follows him in the betting. King of Steel after that. And Ernesto uh, over from France. So to cover those, you know, you've got August Rodin, this horse that was spoken so highly of to the from the Aidan O'Brien camp all season. Obviously won an English derby, then disappointed midsummer in a King George. No one really forgave him for that. He then came back. Back and he's won an Irish champion stakes and then he was put away for a trip over here. There's so much to like about this horse in terms of his ability, his physique, his breeding. But the question mark with him, I think it's fair to say, is is the blips people are putting two and two together and putting it down to the fact that travel may be an issue with him. But then you flip that coin over and he's won an English derby. He's won a Verton Futurity over in England. So he's travelled and won, but he's travelled and flopped too. Um, I was going to say it's hard to know what to expect with him over here, but maybe I'm being harsh on him. He's just got quite a funny profile to really get a true, trustworthy handle on. Meanwhile, Mostadaf, as an older horse, has just improved all season is a tough, hardened international campaigner for John and Thady Gosden. Comes here off the back of just putting performance on top of performance this summer. Obviously finished behind Equinox in Maidan, best horse in the world in terms of turf, middle distance horses. And then he's just gone from strength to strength in the UK with those two Group 1 wins. And then he comes here having bailed on the champion stakes, which is, of course, rolls me on to the next horse, King of Steel. King of Steel, fascinating contender. Not going to lie, happy to say it out loud, not heard this from trainer or jockey. But I would have a strong inclination that trainer and, yeah, trainer and maybe those around the horse would have preferred this horse to have been put away after he won the champion stakes at Ascot. There was only a couple of weeks ago on heavy ground, grueling conditions, undoing it the hard way from the back of the field. And then he's come here. He's had a hard season. I just think, I think the owner is very sporting. I think the owner wanted to be here. And I think that's probably why this horse is here. I don't think the track will suit. I don't think the race will suit. So I'm happy to write a line through him. And I am also happy to write a line through Ernesto. I think we're clutching at straws thinking that his what he's done this season is the same as Mostadaf or Auguste Redan. So that's my European handle on the turf. Big split opinion here from all of us and the boys. JK, I'll come to you first. You've inexplicably put up a horse who isn't from Europe for this race. Explain yourself. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I look. I I heard 19 times today about Mosadoff and, and and how good he is and and look. Well, first I, and, and, and foremost, from me myself. First and foremost, well, from me. Yeah, you were you were one you were one of those people. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: is in the in the, in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, I've I've gotten second twice, and both times I did it on the back 
of a European horse winning the turf. So uh, with Yabir and, and also with uh, um, help me out, Pete. What's what's what's, what's green and red silks? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Tarnala. Tarnala. So uh, I, I I'm not going to try to get beat by by Mosedaf or even Onesto, uh, who who Pete. I respect your opinion. I just have an opinion about up to the mark that I can't ignore. And and, and look, we, we can win this race. We have with horses like domestic spending. And to be honest, up to the mark was having a domestic spending, uh, not domestic spending, uh, 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 bricks and mortar, was bricks having a mortar. bricks and mortar looking campaign prior to the injury that had him miss the summer. And then he comes back in the mile in a race that he ran extremely, extremely well. I thought he was beat. He got beat by a real horse and master of the seas. Uh, and I mean, he came back and beat a real horse and master of the seas. And I just feel like he's supposed to take another step forward. And the fact that they made this decision to run in this race, I just think he's going to run well. I think he's going to be, in, he's going to be uh, ignored because uh, these European horses always take money in this race. Cause they always win it. I understand that. I just, I, I wanted to put him on top to emphasize how much I like him, but, but it's not as if I'm going to try to beat these other horses with him um, in some sort of, blaze of glory uh, i'm not going to go out uh, with an american flag wrapped around my body while these horses from <laughs> europe go rolling down the middle of the track what a shame what a shame because i'd have liked to have seen that um okay philip i will come to you next then it's an interesting angle jk's decided to play with that and he's explained himself very well i i understand the angle he's coming from. Are you happy with my slightly big statement that I'm happy to write a line through specifically King of Steel because of what I just said about him? Yeah, I couldn't bet King of Steel uh, with your money um, in this race, so <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be betting him. Um, you know, I hope. I hope JK's right. You know, we stand not this time the sire of up to the mark. I think there's no question up to the mark is the best U.S. turf horse. Um, very similar to bricks and mortar. I think the big question with bricks and mortar was, could he get the mile and a half? Um, to me, I was really split. I think on the tip sheet, I did it yesterday. So I ended up picking a Gus Rodan. I ended up looking at a bunch of the stuff on the flight out here. Um, most of that will be a strong play for me. I think I went back and just watched a bunch of his races. And um, yeah, I think I was kind of thrown off by the Shima classic. And the more I've watched it, I'm like, you know what? He just, he, made first run at, at, at what you said is the best horse, um, you know, ratings wise is the best horse in the world and, in, in, in Equinox. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, I just think he wants firm ground. We were at Ascot, a small group of us when he won the Prince of Wales and maybe that wasn't the strongest race in the world, but he literally jumped past those horses, uh, which included a Derby winner and, uh, and Luxembourg was a grade one winner. I mean, he jumped past him in like three strides and just the race was over. Um, I think that turn of foot is what you have to have to be successful in America. Augusto Rodan has been impressive, but to me, he's Augusto Rodan is going to have to improve to beat most of death, um, mm. which could happen on, on the day. But I think, I think most of death, there's maybe less question marks. And I think the price might be equal. Okay. I like it. I like your angle. I like your play, Philip. Uh, last line on this to you, Peter. And we are very much on different sides of the fence here with Ernesto. And it's not like I don't like Mostadaf. I think Mostadaf's terrific. I've got him on speed figures and form figures from our team that do numbers over there as, as clearly rated the best in the race. I've always kind of liked the horse. I, I was with uh, 
Michelle Yu uh, during that Prince of Wales. Uh, we were in the in the royal enclosure enjoying a bottle of her favorite champagne. And she, at the last second, insisted that I, I run a bet for uh, most of that for her. And, and, and when he won, she did a cartwheel. We almost got kicked out of the royal enclosure. But uh, most of that horse I've long been a fan of and is certainly in the mix. But Ernesto, on the form figures from the guys who I already shouted out, Dove, so I don't have to do the whole moniker again. But Stephen Bonnick, who does an amazing job, he has a write-up on our In the Money Plus side of every uh, non-US contender with figures, speed and form figures, wherever he could conjure them. He's got Ernesto ranked a point behind Mostadaf. Mostadaf, uh, Ernesto came home in sub 34 seconds in the arc. The arc's been just a fabulous trial for this over the years. And I think this horse is fast enough, good enough. The ground listing was wrong in Paris. That was much more like proper, good, good, firm ground than the good to soft it's listed as. And I think Ernesto can surprise people and is the value of the race. All right. Okay. I, I respect your opinion. I'm not having a yard of it, but I respect your opinion. So that's fine. Um, right. On we go to the classic, guys. We're actually running out of time and we haven't even got to the classic. So let's rattle through this. The classic. Um, obviously, we've had high-profile scratchings, not more so than Arcangelo. Very disappointing. But we can only focus on what's running. And as a result, Arabian Night is your anti-post favorite for this, for the Bob Baffett yard. JK, how do you rate his form coming into this? Do you rate him highly at this stage? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I thought Arabian Night was the best three-year-old in the country early in the year. He got hurt. Um, he came back in the Haskell and ran a race that makes sense based off of a short, uh, off of, uh, off of coming in a little bit short. And then I thought he was outstanding in, in the way that he won the Pacific classic going a mile and a quarter. Baffert's good with this move. He did it with American Pharaoh. He did it with Arrogate training up from a summer race. Um, I think he's going to be tough to beat from that outside post. Um, he's going to get some pressure, but I think he, he'll probably let someone go. One horse that's really warmed up. I've warmed up to a Zandon. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge horse flesh guy but he's looked outstanding uh this morning when i've seen him on tv before getting out here um so i'll, I'll give him a look i think he's just kind of figured it out i think he likes it out here in california okay you like the look of him then um philip will come to you next because in this i mean i i feel like I want to be with Bob's horse, Bob Baffert's horse, but I also feel like I don't have a handle that much on, for example, the Japanese horse with like Ushba Tesoro, who um, Peter's big pal Michael has been banging on about morning after morning here this far, so far this week. Pete, uh, Michael, if you're watching, I don't mean that in a negative way, but <laughs> you've made me pin my eyes to this Japanese horse. Are you keeping him on side, Philip? He ended up being my top pick in here. Um, I just – I don't think any of the American horses are just that fast relative to what it takes to normally win a race like this. Um, Interesting. You know, now maybe there could be a lot of improvement from a three-year-old like Arabian Knight. He's very lightly raced. Um, but, you know, he, his best buyer is a 101. Um, historically, that's just nowhere close to what it's going to take to win. I think you even look at a horse that's drawn outside of him like Proxy. Um, you know, there's definitely not as much forward move for Proxy as there would be for Arabian Knight, but he actually has multiple. He has uh, three buyers that are faster than anything Arabian Knights run. Um, to me, Ushba Tesoro, if he runs the race he ran in Dubai, you know, he wins. Um, 
I don't know that was the strongest race in the world. Um, but, but I, I like him and, um, you know, I think White Abario is, you know, to me is the most likely American winner. I think he's just likely to get a good trip. I'm sitting just off, um, sitting just off the speed. You know, I think the question, I, I wouldn't be completely convinced he wants a mile and a quarter. Uh, that maybe be my question on White Abario and maybe why I didn't make him my top pick um, and why I landed on Ushpitsasoro because I know, you know, that final quarter mile, he's going to be running faster than anybody. And it's just a question of can somebody hang on as he's trying to run them down. Okay. I like that. That's helped me with my confidence that Michael's also pushing on me, read the Japanese. Um, Peter, do you want to throw anyone else into the mix for the classic? I the, My big statement on the classic is that if White Abario runs anything like the race we saw at the Whitney in Saratoga, it's as simple as he's going to win. I hear the distance... Uh, concern, but for me, it's an Indutro we trust. This reminds me a lot of St. Liam, which was a much easier race. I mean, we're going way back here, but that was a much easier race. Horse of Dutros, who was the fast, had the fastest race, and it was, is he going to get the distance? He did, and he won. I think it could be the same thing here. Respect Zandon, respect Oshpitosoro, and uh, yeah, it's going to be as simple as that for me. Those are my three big ones. All right, on we go then to the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, guys. Over, of course, the five furlongs. I'm hearing hasn't been taken out of the betting as of right now, but Brad Sell is a non-runner for the Archie Watson Yard from over here in the UK, which is disappointing. He's had a hit and miss profile, but if he is a non-runner, which is what I'm reading on the old Twitter, or X as it's now known, um then that, that's a disappointing loss, but yet to be taken out of the antipose markets. But that will leave living the dream up there at the top of the market for the story of, for the Europeans, one of the stories of the weekend in Adam West. Adam West, for anyone listening out there very briefly, very small trainer, like low-grade trainer in the UK and has ended up with this horse living the dream. And it's obviously the ultimate cliche because they are living a dream being out here in Santa Anita. And haven't we witnessed that, Pete, over here in these mornings with the owner and the trainer and the family? It's been great to see, but we want winners. Can he win? He can win. And the only trouble with that team is, you know, they just don't look like they're having any fun at the races. Now they're they're living up to this horse's name. And I love the way this horse was prepped. There's a hoodoo stat about European turf sprinters, not like there's a big Ofer stat about them running on this main oval at Santa Anita um, on while turf sprinting. This horse doesn't have to face that hoodoo because of that run at Keeneland. And you those opening fractions of Keeneland were ridiculously fast, and that was with the horse not even really breaking with alacrity. Now, there's other speed in here, obviously, but I think living the dream can get the job done. Not the kind of race where I think it would be wise to stand alone, but that's my top pick. All right, JK, what we're we saying about Caravel? Obviously, one at a huge price for the for the team um, this time last year over at Keeneland. Could she do it again? at a big enough price not the same price but still pretty big <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think she could win living the dream got beat by the three other horses that 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 can't warm up the top two in here to me and so i i just can't get behind that i think caravel's going to run at her at some point run at him at some point um and, and and make things hard for him and maybe put him away but i i, I look i i'm a big invasion fan i think the cutback and the, and the firm turf are going to hit him right between the eyes 
I, I think he's going to come rolling. I think it's Caravel or, or Big Invasion, and, and I'd have a hard time seeing anyone else win. Okay. Caravel or Big Invasion then for JK. Um, sharing the same thoughts here, Philip, or do you have a sort of wise guy selection for us against Caravel or Big Invasion? I probably I probably wouldn't want Caravel. You know, we, we actually did this uh, thing up at Saratoga, and we – well, luckily, we, I think we actually – I tipped Cogburn that day. But I just – I think she needs the lead or she needs to be outside of other speed horses. And I think the three post is terrible. If she was drawn out in 10 and maybe she could just sit off somebody, I think she can stalk. But um, I don't think she's as good if she's drawn inside other speed horses. I ended up landing on uh, on the 10 Matorius. You know, I think this horse did something in the green flash at Del Mar last time. That's very hard to do. And he came from way off the pace going five furlongs. Um, but he ran huge in the race at Churchill with probably not a great trip when uh, no balls got loose. Um, he's run three really good races uh, in his last three, and he can clearly handle five furlongs. Um, and I think he picks Pratt back up, which is, you know, is one of the best turf riders. Um, I was also – I, I like Big Invasion. I've been a huge Big Invasion fan. Um, he'll be on my tickets. I thought um, Aesop's Fables was slightly interesting. You know, this horse was was uh, three to five in a group one as a two-year-old, and he just didn't live up to the hype. Um, they basically have kept him sprinting this year, and he's, you know, had a pretty poor run of form. Maybe the third to Shaquille uh, back in May doesn't look as bad now. But they put blinkers on him last time, and he ran a much better race in the uh, in the Abbey. And I think, you know, he's he's a horse that I just want to be interested in. At what's going to be a big number, um, at least for some sort of exotic underneath. Yeah, it'll be a huge price for sure. Um, Aesop's Fable. Right, last race then, guys. Sorry to everyone there watching. We have gone a little bit over, but last race to get through. Um, hopefully you have enjoyed it. This is, of course, the sprint. Um, elite power. I mean, JK, I'm going to start with you here. Everyone's going elite power mad. He's a short anti-post price. But how short would he be if he won the last day when we last saw him? I mean, like... Can you pick holes in him? Are we picking holes in him? Do you want to pick holes in Elite Power? No, I mean, I mean he's my strongest opinion of the weekend. Um, oh. If if I have money left in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge and he wins, um, just know that I did well. Uh, he, he he's he's one of those types of horses where I think he, he got ignored a, a little bit this summer because he he finally got beat by Gunite and it, you know and. He feels like he's a horse. He's going to do better going seven. And and how did he lose the gunite going seven? That's his game. And look, I, I think his game is six furlongs with pace to close into, and that's exactly what he's going to get. I think if anybody in this field beats him, it's Speedboat Beach, the, the progressive three-year-old who's got room to improve. Uh, but I think I said it at one point during the show, I think there's three repeat champions. Um, I, I think Cody's wish um, is one of them. I, I think Goodnight Olive is the other, and the one that I'm the most certain of winning a back-to-back -back championship would be elite power. Love it. Love it. I love a strong opinion, don't we, Peter? That's what we're here for. <laughs> we're finishing with a strong opinion from JK. Wraps it up nicely. And I know you're also with elite power. Indeed. We're going to let JK go because he's got a car waiting for him outside. I think it's a, I think it's a limousine with, you know, tricked out tires or something <laughs> like that. It's, a, it's an Uber X. It's an Uber X. 
I'm just kidding. I don't do Uber. I don't do Uber. It's at least comfort for me. Uh, there's just pay the extra eight dollars. Love you guys. Good luck. We used to have a game on the show where we would. It was like name that tune. How few words can you do this race in? Oh, I need two. <laughs> Elite. Love it. Love it. Okay. So it's two strong votes for elite power. And then I wanted to finish with like a really strong, we're all on the same wavelength opinion, <laughs> Philip, but you have ruined that judging by the tip sheet I have in front of me. Yeah. I think JK said it earlier. He put somebody on top. I, I'm not against elite power. I think he's probably the most likely winner of the race. Um, I ended up picking Dr. Shivel. We're going to stand him at Taylor Bay next year. Um, but I thought he ran really well last time. He was coming off of a layoff. He likes Santa Anita. He's four for six lifetime. He almost won this race a couple years ago at Del Mar. Um, I don't think there were any elite powers in there that year. Um, to me, elite power is probably the most likely winner. Um, just from, from a value perspective, I like Dr. Shivel. I also thought, um, you know, the chosen Vron is an interesting horse for me. Seven for eight at Santa Anita. A lot of that is against much softer horses. He's basically been running against cowbreds, but they stepped him up into the Bing Crosby at six. He was in the mix of a bunch of horses. He ran really well. Um, Anarchist, the second place finisher, came back to win a group two after that. Um, this is a horse that just likes to win, and he likes to win at Santa Anita. Um, and I think it, it's a track sometimes that that some horses handle it and some don't. Um, pure, you know, purely from an exotic perspective, um, or if you know if you have a really strong opinion somewhere else and you want to spread in this race and try to beat elite power, you know, I think those are a couple horses uh, that you could use. I'd also say you know Speedboat Beach and Gunite. Um, you know, you feel obvious and and JK may be onto something. Maybe if there's there's an upset shot in here, it could be Speedboat Beach just gets loose on the front and. Uh, just has, has more, more of a forward move than anything else. Okay. Well, that wraps up our Breeders' Cup preview show. I'm going to hand back to Peter now to do the final thank yous, seeing as this is, of course, an In The Money Media collaboration. But from my point of view, guys, in, enjoy it. What a weekend. It's, a, it's going to be a joy to be here. Thank you so much, as always, for having me. I love these shows. I find it fascinating. I hope the viewers and listeners do too. All aboard Porter Fortuna. Good luck to you guys with her. But Peter, it's over to you for the final goodbyes. Great stuff, Vanessa. What a wonderful job you did hosting Philip. Always a pleasure. Just gets, not that you're ever bad, better and better every time we do one of these things. For JK, um, really want to big a big thank you out there to Molly Hire, who works so hard behind the scenes putting all this stuff together and has to deal with all kinds of difficult nonsense from uh, troublesome uh, talent such as myself. Uh, you also want to remind folks that Molly has a, uh, a picks grid from the show. That's going to be emailed to everybody. So if you didn't get everything written down, that's okay. That same grid or very similar will also be available to our In The Money Plus subscribers if you're watching this on your replay. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment. Let us know that you liked the show or didn't like the show or who you think's going to win at this year's Raiders Cup or In The Money Media or TaylorMade Partnerships and Medallion Racing. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your Breeders' Cup photos.